The views expressed on Teacher Vision are those of the interviewee and interviewer and do not represent Screenlance Allies as a whole. Hello there, and welcome to Teacher Vision, where everyone has a different vision of learning, episode 22. If you know the reference, then congratulations, you won a cookie. My name is Jose Briseño, and today we're going to continue with part number two of the interview with Mr. Bill McCann, founder of Dancing Dots. And on this episode, we're going to go technical because today we're going to talk about technology and you will not believe how technology was back in the 60s and 70s. You will hear about a revolutionary device that would read print to you, but tactfully. You will also hear about the first screen reader, that is, the thing that reads the screen to you on a computer. You will hear more information about what that screen reader did and a little bit of history behind the JAWS for Windows screen reader, a very popular screen reader that's used nowadays, mostly in the work environments. All that and more on part two of this special series right here on Teach-A-Vision by Screenless Allies. Let's talk about your technology at the time. Obviously, it was the 60s or 70s and you know, most likely technology at the time wasn't as evolved as nowadays, you know, with the smartphones, braille devices, and things were more portable. What was your technology toolbox? What was your toolbox in school back in the day? Well, you know, I started out with the Perkins Brailler in kindergarten or first grade or whatever. Oh, my fingers. (laughs) Yeah, and it started out with the Slate and Stylus. So things that are manual devices for braille that are considered low-tech today, but really still work. And worked really well for me. I think when I was maybe 13, I got for Christmas or a birthday, I got my first cassette recorder. And when I went to high school, I had cassette recorders, my slate and stylus, and then I got a open reel tape deck, which was a lot of fun. I mean, I used to listen to tapes from Recording for the Blind, but this thing was a Sony TC-105, I think it was, and you could actually record on it. So I used to connect a mic to it. Then I got another tape deck and I used to have the tape go past two heads and create echo chambers. And I had all kinds of fun with those machines. (gasps) Oh, wow. Yeah, it was great. But, you know, relatively low tech and the technology... Oh, you know what was? Here you go. Here you go. The coolest technology I got was, I think, my senior year in high school. My mobility teacher was also a teacher at the Visually Impaired, of course. Their agency got an Opticon. Remember the Opticon? You know, I've never used one, sir. Okay. I I never used one. I've heard the name, but I've never used one. For the listeners, what is an Opticon? It's an optical to tactile converter, a device you put your index finger of your left hand, rests inside a groove that's lined with fibers they're connected to a camera and the camera sends images i think at grayscale and so the brighter the image the fibers in that area vibrate more quickly bottom line is you can feel if you have the camera rolling across a page of print let's say it's on the letter o you can feel a circle under your finger if it's oh, on, that's pretty cool yeah if it's on the letter i you can feel a straight line with a little dot on the top you know you can feel the images and that's when i first understood about fonts I didn't know that print had different shapes and they're called fonts. It was great. I learned to use that device and I really wanted to get one. And when I went to college, because I ended up going to a music conservatory, my rehab counselor arranged to buy me a much better trumpet, but he would not spring for an Opticon because he's like, well, you know, you're in music, you know, (laughs) but finally 
after I did get my degree in music and then I decided to go to computer training school, I said, how about an Opticon? And he said, okay. And he got me one. And I still You just had, had to it. wait. You just yeah. had to, you know, it's like, okay, Opticon isn't musical, but maybe if I go yeah. back to training, maybe he'll get it for me. Maybe. Yeah. But then, then I found out later, I had some customers who read print music with the Opticon. I found that mind-blowing because it's just, you know, print music is not only read left to right, it's up and down. And so you have to scrub all around. The thing is optimized for text, not for music, but some wow. people did it. And it is kind of a cool way to see how print music uh, is laid out, but I don't recommend it for learning anything. You know, right. Learning a piece of music or something. Are those still being made to this day? I mean, that's probably a weird question, but are they are they still being made? Oh, no, it's a good question. I wish the answer were yes, but they stopped production, I think, over about 20 years ago or more. It was made by Telesensory Systems, which became TSI out in Northern California, but it'd be interesting to ask somebody who was involved directly in those days why they stopped. But I suppose like any business, it tells you that they weren't making money. And that tells you that not enough blind people thought it worth the energy and time to learn to use it because it was kind of slow. Even though I remembered the print letters when I was a kid and I could see my dad used to write big capital print letters on a blackboard in our kitchen that I could see. So I knew my ABCs. I knew the capitals. That was another thing. I didn't realize that there were small versions, you know, non-capital versions of letters. Right. I guess a lot of people tried it and, and thought, oh man, this is painfully slow. I can read Braille much faster. And of course I can too. And I can listen to audiobooks and just going across this page of print. But what I loved about the Opticon, I wouldn't read books cover to cover with it, but I would use it to look things up you know, in manuals or whatever. When I was working at the oil company, I'd get an error message and you could go to these big manuals published by IBM and find ICG 4724, you know, whatever it was, right. message, and then go down at the page and find it. But most of the time when you looked it up, it would say things like probable user error, which was a nice way of saying, you messed up, dude. You messed up the program. We don't, we can't help you. Just figure it out. You, know? you figure it out. It's a, you figure it out. I hear that's your fault. Yeah. It's YF3240, you know, your fault. And then with the error code, you know, for yeah. sure. How much was an Opticon? That's a good, I don't remember it. I think it was thousands of dollars, maybe $4,000. I don't know. It was a lot of money. Because, of course, I'm sure they didn't sell that many of them. And then and the fact that they stopped making them probably told us that they didn't sell enough to feel like it was a viable business venture, which, again, is very disappointing because, you know, when you think about it, this was the early 70s, mid 70s. That was like a real cutting edge high tech thing. Wow. Well, for sure. I mean, from what you're describing, I, I really wish I could have seen one. That would have Come been to see me. I got a couple. And you can still find them here and there online. In fact, there's one really smart guy out in California, and I'm trying to remember his name. But there's one guy, he's a blind guy, and he will service Opticons and fix them if he can for you. Wow, that's pretty cool. I'll have to do that. Yeah, coming up soon on the podcast, you guys. Yeah, <laughs> uh, an overview of the Opticon, because that would be pretty cool to actually get to see. Now, you're talking about computers. What screen readers at the time were you using? This was pre-JAWS for DOS, I feel like, at the time. You're talking about a computer working in an oil company. And did you have a screen reader that you were using at the time? Or what? how are you navigating through those computers and what kind were they? Yeah, well, in, I think it was 81, I went to a program at University of Pennsylvania and learned how to use, well, it was a programming course. And we had the first talking device that I ever saw. It was a Hewlett Packard terminal that ran off of a mainframe. 
that had a speech board in it. It was marketed by Dean Blasey, and he had a company called Maryland Computer Services. This thing would talk, and it was an extremely robotic voice. Was it like the Braille light? You know, I think it was slightly different than that. Okay. But it was kind of like that. Every program I wrote in the COBOL language, which is business language, it would start out with identification division. All those programs, you know, there were divisions in your code and you would write identification division, write some statements, and then there was the procedure division or something. I don't even remember anymore. Right. But I remember the first time I used it, it would only spell everything. So it'd be like I-N-D-E-T-I-F-X-E-I-O-N space. It was- oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> and then one day we came in and somebody had updated it and it could actually speak words. And we're like, woohoo. You know, this, it, it was crazy. Oh, T H A T space W O U L D space A N N O Y space M E period. And that's pretty much it. And the other interesting thing from a historical point of view, because the, the company was founded by Dean Blasey, who went on to, you know, the fame with the Braille and Speak and the Braille Light. And right. The Lazy Engineering and then Lazy turned engineering. Into merged with Freedom Scientific, as we mentioned on the Technology History episodes. If you want to go take a look at that, we have an yeah. evolution of assistive technology from a millennial's point of view. That's <laughs> and right. And one of the things that we covered was the Braille Light series and how that evolved into, you know, the PacMate and, mm-hmm. you know, now the L Braille. And what was the name of that screen reader? It was just called the Talking Terminal. I think it was called the MCS Talking Terminal. And another historical point, we had a sales rep from Maryland Computer Services. Somebody used to come in and maybe he was like a sales kind of slash technical guy. And his name was Ted Henter. Oh, I know who that is. Yeah. And Ted Henter went on to develop JAWS. So Ted reached a point where he felt that the future of screen reading was software and Dean still felt that it was all about hardware. So they kind of had a friendly parting of the ways and they're still buddies to this day. But Ted went off and started a company called Henter Joyce. And that's the company that developed the JAWS screen reader, which I ultimately went to a few years later. In the DOS area, correct? Yeah, it was in the first thing. Yeah, it was JAWS for DOS. And then we, in the mid 90s, of course, when Windows 95. Right. Windows 95. Windows 95. There was one company in Canada that had made a screen reader, but I never used that. I got JAWS, and I kind of never looked back. I just used JAWS ever since. Right. Now, I got to ask this question because I don't know if you remember whenever I had you. You know I was picky about voices as a kid. And I got to ask you, what synth did you use on JAWS for DOS, if you remember? Hmm. That's a good question. What the? You know, wow. I don't know. I don't remember. You are much more like most blind guys I know. You're much more aware of the the voices and stuff. I I was always just like, look, I just need the information. I wasn't even (laughs) noticing the voices. I was just, I would crank it up as fast as I could hear it. And I'm just like, okay, that's what I got to do. I was the one of, you know, can we change the voice to Microsoft Mike? You know, back in the day. That was... (laughs) That was my, Mr. Bill, can we change the voice to Microsoft Mike? Because <laughs> I don't like this voice. I remember back in the day. And we'll get to those stories in a bit because there is a story that we still laugh at to this day. That's true. There are, and yeah, we'll, we'll get more. there. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Teacher Vision by Screenless Allies. See you on the next one. Meanwhile, you can check out our website at screenlessallies.com. S-C-R-E-E-N-L-E-S-S-A-L-L-I-E-S.com. Check out our Facebook, facebook.com slash screenlessalliesofficial. And most importantly, please tell your friends about us. 
And if you have any suggestions or comments or questions, you can definitely email those to info at screenlessallies.com. We'll see you next time. And thank you for listening.